Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to hear from Kimberly Hill Knott. She's the Director of Policy at Detroit Working for Environmental Justice. She's going to talk about the role that environmental justice is playing in the presidential campaign and particularly at the Democratic National Convention uh, last week. Uh, we're also going to talk to Patrick Dunn, who's a freelance journalist, who wrote an article for Metro Mode about Detroit housing market and the missing middle. Lots of things selling at the very high end of the real estate uh, market, lots of things uh, selling at the low end. But what's available for middle class families who just have a couple thousand dollars and need a mortgage, a conventional mortgage? Uh, Patrick Dunn is going to help us sort through that. But first, we've been talking a lot about the November elections lately, but voters go to the polls tomorrow in Michigan for some incredibly important primary elections. That in Michigan, unfortunately, is where a lot of the decisions about who's going to represent us in Lansing or in Washington, that's where they sort of uh, get made. Uh, Voters in solidly blue or red congressional districts are choosing candidates that are all but guaranteed uh, to represent them on Capitol Hill. Uh, Same thing in Lansing. What are some of the most contested or interesting races across the state? Joining us to talk about is Chad Livingood, the Detroit News political reporter. Uh, Let's talk about which races you are looking at the closest. Let's start with Congress. We've got a couple barn burners in uh, the congressional races. Let's start in the first district, which is way up north uh, in the lower peninsula, all of the UP. I think one of the largest geographical uh, congressional districts in the country. It's a, it's a district that was represented by a Democrat, Bart Stupak, for a really, really long time. When he left, uh, uh, Daniel Beneshek, a doctor from, uh, from the UP, took that, uh, took that seat. Democrats have been trying f- uh, since he took it to take it back, and there have been some sort of close contests. In the primary, tomorrow we have two real contests on both sides. Talk to me about uh, who the candidates are and, and what we're looking at. Yeah, uh, there's uh, three main candidates in the Republican primary up there. Former state uh, Senator Jason Allen from Traverse City, state Senator Tom Casperson from Escanaba, and then a retired uh, uh, Brigadier General Jack Bergman, um, a Marine um, General, who um, who is from Waters Meet, which if you don't know uh, Western UP, you should just kind of <laughs> just Google it, uh, Stephen. Uh, it is um, close to it Wisconsin. Is literally where the, the 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 lake waters of Wisconsin and and uh, and, and Michigan meet, right. and uh, it is it is out in the middle of nowhere. But Bergman is kind of coming out of nowhere. Um, he has uh, put in. $270,000 of his own money. He owns a medical supply business, and so he's got some some skin in the game here. He's basically matched Casperson and Allen for money from their own campaigns, and um, he's been running t- television ads pretty heavily up there. And this is a pretty expansive district, 30-some counties. Uh, yeah, you have basically from Traverse City over to Alpena and then the, all to the bridge and then the rest of the rest of the entire upper uh, upper peninsula so it is a lot of ground to cover and 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 this is kind of an interesting dynamic Jason Allen lost this seat by just a couple dozen votes um, back in 2010 that was when uh, Dan Beneshek won right uh, and, and he de- defeated Allen in a primary then and it was um a, 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 you know that was the year that the Tea Party kind of came in and, and helped push some of these Republicans to win these 
conservative Democrat areas, basically, uh-huh. um, that um, have long been sort of Truman Democrats or uh, and whatever you want to, FDR Democrats, or whatever you want to call them, but they're, but they're essentially really were, um, uh, uh, this, this territory was Democrat controlled for many years, and they started flipping some house, state house uh, seats as well. So it, the, the, there's a lot of dynamics in northern Michigan. People think that's rep- all Republican, but that's that's not the case. Yeah. So then on the other side of this is Lon Johnson is probably poised to win the Democratic primary against Jerry Cannon, who was the Democratic nominee in the last uh, in the last election cycle against Beneshek. Lon Johnson is the former state party chair of the Democratic Party, longtime Democratic operative. And he is running uh, this campaign with a lot of skill, and, and at the same time, he's putting a lot of money into this, uh, and he's raising a lot of money nationally because his, his wife, Juliana Smoot, uh, was uh, President Obama's uh, deputy campaign manager in the last election. Mm-hmm. And so they've got a lot of connections. So the Republicans uh, nationally are gearing up to have to fight and defend this seat uh, tooth and nail this fall. So this primary is pretty pretty pivotal tomorrow. Yeah, and on the Republican side, uh, it really, I, I, from my chair, boils down to Casperson versus Allen, but but you you think this third this third Republican Bergman has some sort of, may have some influence over the outcome? Well, yeah, and the evidence is last week Tom Casperson um, uh, launched an ad attacking Bergman um, because he worked for an education, uh, for-profit education company did some consulting for him, and he and Ber- and Casperson launched an ad labeling him a lobbyist, right? And a, and 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 Bergman is running a um, Washington outsider type campaign, I and mean, he's running on the Trump, uh, um, you know, ticket a tail here basically, and so against two uh, longtime uh, politicians basically. Uh, Jason Allen was in the state senate for eight years, but then he's he's worked in the in the uh, military affairs department under Governor Snyder for the last five years. And Tom Casperson's been in the state Senate for six years, and then he was in the state House for six years before that. Now, Casperson says, look, I'm a, I've, been, I've worked in the logging industry, my family logging company, a log hauling company for 27 years. And Jason Allen, um, his family owns uh, Captain's Quarters, a, um, um, a suit shop up in uh, Traverse City. So yeah. he's been, he's been uh, tailoring uh, suits since he was uh, a teenager. <laughs> uh, one of the funny things in this district, one of the funny things I've noticed in the campaign, the sort of back and forth, between the candidates is that uh, both Casperson and Allen have tried to tar the other with the sort of liberal label, right? Uh, it's a question of, uh, well, he's more liberal than I am. No, he's more liberal than I am. And these are both Republicans with pretty moderate records. I mean, uh, the, 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 the truth is the reason that they sort of appeal up there in that district is because of their their moderation, and yet each of them seems to be trying to get hard right votes by painting the other. Uh, w- what's that dynamic going to look like? I mean, how does that play out at the at the ballot box? Well, they've been going after each other's tax record votes. So Jason Allen voted for the Michigan business tax, uh, and and Casperson voted against it in the House. They're trying to make some differentiations there. At the same time, Casperson voted for the the pension tax uh, on the tax on pension income right. back in 2011 when Ka- Allen was no longer in the state Senate. So. Allen's been resurrecting that against him. He also has been using right to work against it. Tom Casperson was one of the few Republicans who, who voted, voted no yeah. um, and against uh, uh, right to work in December of 2012. And the interesting dynamic in the last uh, two weeks, um, a couple of labor unions have come in. 
pushing for Casperson. Uh, he's pretty close with the Building Trades Construction yeah. uh, Union, um, and that represents um, mining workers and other types of skilled trade workers up in the UP and, and northern uh, lower Michigan. They held a fundraiser forum last week in Traverse City, and a gr- an outside group called Defending Main Street, which is largely funded by unions, uh, came in with a $150,000 TV buy, which that may not seem like a, like a lot in Metro Detroit. won't get you very far in, uh, in Detroit or Grand Rapids markets, but it'll buy a lot of TV time uh, in, um, <laughs> in Marquette yeah. and in Houghton. Right, right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Chad Livengood, Detroit News political reporter. We're talking about Election Day, tomorrow, primary, uh, local primary elections here in the state of Michigan. We'll choose our uh, nominees for Congress and State House and also judicial elections around the state. Uh, give us a call. You want to join the conversation. Talk about what races you're looking at uh, as you go into the booth tomorrow. What what has caught your eye this season in the local campaigns? What are you worried about? Uh, are you looking at certain politicians thinking maybe this is the end for them? Are you looking at certain newcomers thinking, wow, this is their chance to really make a difference. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Chad, I want to move to the 10th district in Congress, uh, the, the seat being vacated by Candace Miller, who's running for uh, public works commissioner in Macomb County. Uh, two Republicans there uh, really, really vying to replace her. That seems like a close race, too. Yeah, uh, you've got, you've got uh, businessman uh, Paul Mitchell, um, uh, former owner of a um, of a medical training uh, company, and, uh, and state senator um, Phil Pavlo are kind of the top runners in that race. There also is former state senator Alan Sanborn and um, state representative An- um, Anthony uh, Forlini. Um, there's a, they're, they're fighting Sanborn and Forlini and a, and a, four, a fifth guy, a retired Air Force officer, David Van Esch, uh-huh. kind of a fighting out for the Macomb County part of this district. It's kind of northern Macomb County and then the rest of the thumb, basically. And, and um, Mitchell is kind of a familiar name because uh, two years ago, Paul Mitchell ran for Congress in the 4th Congressional District in mid-Michigan when he lived in Saginaw right. County. And uh, he um, sort of now famously... Uh, spent three point six million dollars of his own money uh, and uh, went down in um, in major defeat against uh, state senator John Molinar. Right, and so now Molinar holds the seat. Molinar was from Midland, and that and, and that's a uh, seat that's been held by men from Midland uh, for many years. And so, uh, so to, out of nowhere, um, Paul Mitchell uh, moved uh, into the district. Uh, now he said he was he was he'd been looking for um, a house in the district. He moved into Lapeer County in Dryden Township. And and um, he took up residency last year, and about as soon as he took up residency, he was running for Congress again. <laughs> uh, and um, and so Pil- uh, Phil Pavlo, um, state senator from St. Clair County, has been making that the big issue of the campaign, that uh, essentially charging that Paul Mitchell is trying to buy a race here, yeah. uh, buy a seat in the House or House Representatives. And so far, Paul Mitchell, uh, at least through um, early July, had put in uh, um, $2.7 million of his own wealth into this uh, race. So... He is again spending some big money. He's been all over television, and then this is a, as a sort of a strange place to run. You have to you have to buy Flint and Detroit TV, right. and to Flint to get into the into the into the Thumb uh, counties, and Detroit TV to get into Macomb County. Uh, so, you, so I'm sure there's a lot of people in Wayne County and uh, Monroe County and um, 
in Oakland County who've been watching these uh, TV ads of Paul Mitchell uh, for the last couple of weeks. But he's, you know, he's trying to run on both um, his businessman outsider appeal, same kind of thing with Donald Trump, sure. uh, and same thing with J- Jack Bergman up in the first district. And at the same time, he also last year he he put a couple hundred thousand dollars into the uh, one main campaign against Proposal One, the uh, the uh, one cent sales tax increase to fix the roads, which went down uh, in flames, eighty uh, percent no. Uh, Paul Mitchell has tried to basically claim credit for that. Now his opponents say, "Look, uh, that was a uh, that that issue was a loser from the start, <laughs> and uh, and it didn't didn't take a hundred thousand dollars to uh, uh, to." Uh, solidify its fate so um so there's you know these guys are running most of this campaign kind of centers around uh, mitchell his wealth his move back into the district he did once live in st Clair. he once uh, was actually on the st Clair city council for a few months but uh but quit and his business used to be based in st Clair. as he sort of has told me i used to live a mile away from phil pavlo so he's kind of got <laughs> thinks phil pavlo has political amnesia <laughs> right right uh let's talk some about uh about john conyers uh who faces each year some opposition for his seat but each time has been able to to, to keep it pretty easily this time he's looking at a race against the detroit city clerk Uh, Janice Winfrey, who seems like a more formidable candidate than he has had to face in the past, but it's always hard to tell. Like I said, uh, he always seems to pull this out. Uh, Does Janice Winfrey have a better chance than those who have come before her? Probably a better chance than Horace Sheffield did, uh, even when uh, John Conyers barely made the ballot last year, right? Uh, or two years ago. He I mean he ba- he made the ballot on judges' orders, uh, as you recall, because he uh, he did not have uh, seemingly did not have the correct number of he didn't uh, signatures. get his signatures right. This time they came in with you had to have a thousand signatures. He, he came in with uh, uh, well over nineteen hundred of them. Um, they were much more organized. The Conyers machine seems to be sort of back and running, or at least they went out and hired some people to <laughs> to make sure that it was uh, a fully functional campaign again. Um, and he is trying, you know, showing, trying to show signs that he's uh, fully engaged. Um, and 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 so uh, it's it's hard to see how Janice Winfrey uh, pulls off an upset. Um, uh, given just the loyalties to John Conyers, um, the, they just run really deep in this in, in Detroit, and and so, um, but uh, you know this is one to still watch, um, and and it, and it kind of continues to add the question. You know, John Conyers, 87 years old. You know, is this his last term? They've been asking that for, um, you know, it uh, seems a like couple, almost a, decade. a couple decades. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. I mean, but he keeps he keeps chugging. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDTM. Stephen Henderson. My guest is Chad Livengood. He's a political reporter at the Detroit News. We're talking about the Michigan primaries tomorrow. Uh, we all go to the ballot box to to select our nominees for Congress and State House some judicial elections as well. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. What are you looking at on the ballot tomorrow? What are you anticipating in terms of outcomes? 313-577-1019. Uh, Chad, before I let you go, I want to talk about the State House. Uh, this is where I think even the, the problem that I talked about up front with uh, the primaries being the only elections that matter, uh, we see that in, in far more uh, uh, sort of uh, explicit form in the state house where, where so many of the districts are drawn safely. Which, which districts are interesting to take a look at? 
Well, in Wayne County, uh, the, the, the rural uh, hot one to watch uh, t tomorrow night is, is the 1st District. Um, that that uh, encompasses uh, Harbor Woods, Gross Point Woods, Gross Point Shores, right. and a portion of Northeast Detroit. This Brian is the, Banks the is, the, is the rep there now. Yeah. yeah, and he's 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 up for a third term. This is a, a Democratic solid district, and he's facing a pretty um, uh, a pretty tight challenge against um, um, Pamela Sassi of Harper Woods, an attorney in Detroit, um, and and also Washington Usen, um, a, a, a who's been a past uh, legislative aide for uh, Hanson Clark, uh, and lives on the east side of Detroit. They are running uh, pretty uh, pretty tough against uh, banks, and and there's all signs as banks, you know, is a little bit of trouble because uh, a couple of factors. One, um, he's got charged with new crimes uh, from uh, related to uh, um, uh, kind of related to his past criminal uh, record uh, of uh, financial fraud, basically involving a personal loan. Uh, Bill, Attorney Bill Schuette, uh, out of nowhere, five weeks out of the primary, came uh, came out and 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 filed new with charges. New charges, against yeah, right. And and so it's kind of a, a kind of a big surprise. At the same time, then all out and you know, then he got a, a bunch of help from Democratic leaders. They, uh, Mayor Duggan has been out knocking on doors for him, and uh, Democratic Party leaders, representatives uh, have been coming down to uh, to help uh, to help him out, and, and they've been sending him money and such. And so so he's uh, he's running a you know a tight campaign with some interesting different circumstances. Um, he has a past uh, record of of eight felonies related to writing bad checks and credit card fraud and um and something that kind of caught my eye in this race is that um there was uh, two packs uh that have been sending out mail and, and this time of year voters get all kinds of mail um uh, and uh, some of it can be uh downright nasty and some of it's uh, you know benign but um but uh, th these mailers uh, targeting saucy one uh, shows um donald trump in a picture uh, with her and her boyfriend sort of superimposed <laughs> and uh saying you can't trust uh, ba uh donald trump and you can't trust uh, uh pamela saucy and so um so uh, and and inter the, the more interesting part is that the packs the packs that are being uh, sending these mailers no longer exist um they, they've been dissolved many years ago so yeah. someone has taken them and their addresses and uh, been sending out mail i mean this is kind of the stuff that people wonder why is that legal right well and that's that that points to the real gaps in in ethics laws here in michigan other states people would be punished for stuff like that. Um, let's yeah. go to let's go to Greg in Midtown. Greg, welcome to Detroit today. Um, thanks so much for taking my call. Sure, Greg. Um, I guess maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I don't see politicians out in the parks or you know with calliopes and loudspeakers <laughs> and soapboxes and hot dogs and balloons for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to that? We're having a shoe leather campaigning, right, Greg? <laughs> well, I mean, we door got, knocking. Well, yeah, we've got the internet and everything, and we get all of this and the and the massive TV, um, you know, campaigns. But where are the people? I mean, I, I, we like to look people in the eye and ask them questions, and I think we need to return to that mm -hmm. and. I think this campaign was woefully under, uh, you know, I don't see get out and vote sign right. when we've got, you know, what we have here in the state. 
Yeah. Uh, Greg, thanks very much uh, for calling and making that point. Uh, uh, Chad Livengood, talk about how campaigning has changed in this sort of digital era. I, I, I sort of agree with Greg that, that it, it does look different. I think candidates would say that they feel like they can connect with far more people because of the internet and social media and things like that, and, and that it is sort of a direct connection. But as Greg says, there's that tactile uh, feeling that you're missing with a lot of these with a lot of these politicians. I will note, though, that I know for a fact Janet Janice Winfrey, who's running against John Conyers, has been knocking a lot of doors in that district trying to do that um, that that personal connection. But but campaigns have changed. Yeah, and, and which which um, for Winfrey's case that that has not been the case for John Conyers for many years sure. by all accounts. Sure. He hasn't been knocking on a lot of doors. Um, you know, it, it depends. I mean, some of these high-profile um, um, congressional primaries they require TV advertising and they require a lot of mail early on because the dynamics of the races have been changing. Partly because absentee voter um, uh, voting is up um, significantly, almost thirty percent from last primary, uh, and at the same time, it, it's, it depends. Some of these uh, more local races require a lot more hand-to-hand uh, combat, you might say. Uh, and so, there's one race that's really, uh, uh, I should point out, is the um, the special primary in the fourth Senate district. This is to replace the seat that was vacated by the, former uh, Virgil Senator Smith, Virgil yeah. Smith when he got uh, convicted of uh, shooting up his ex-wife's car. Um, this one has actually uh, drawn some pretty interesting uh, um, uh, battleground lines here because there's another Conyers on the on the ballot, Ian Conyers, 27-year-old great-nephew of John Conyers. Uh-huh. And um, he's in a pretty tight race against former state representative Fred Durhall Jr. This is the older Durhall, 64, not the younger one who's a state rep now, right. his son. So uh, Durhall is essentially labeling Conyers as an upstart kid who is, uh, who's not ready for the big time in the state Senate. Um, and uh, and so it's it's and, and at the same time Conyers is basically you know not uh, shying away that he's running on his uh, on John Conyers' name basically yeah. in, in 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 this in the strange district that you want to talk about um, uh, gerrymandered uh, um, <laughs> lines. This one looks like an eye that starts at eight mile and somehow ends up in Wyandotte. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and and so it's a. Uh, it's a strange district that got drawn kind of for Virgil Smith. I mean, even even though the Republicans are in charge of the pen, Democrats make deals to make their districts look the way they want as well, uh, so they for, to their advantage. Um, and this this happens all the time, where the majority and the minority are kind of sometimes in collusion on some of these uh, type of things. So, yeah. but this is a pretty um, uh, hot race. Uh, there's also an attorney, Karen Pinkins, who is uh, who's running pretty aggressively in there. And so, you know, you know there's. Um, I mean, there's nine candidates in this race, so, um, so you know, there these things do matter. This this special primary will decide who's going to be the state senator for the next two years, and actually, I mean, it will give someone an advantage to be in that state senate seat for the next ten years. I was going to say, yeah, once you get once you get in the seat, it's really difficult to, for somebody to get you out of it, at least uh, in these in these districts that are drawn. Uh, the way they are. Chad Livengood, political reporter at the Detroit News. Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today.
Thanks for having me, Stephen. All right. Uh, a little later in the show, we are going to talk about the missing middle in the Detroit real estate market. How difficult is it for middle-class families just to go get a conventional mortgage and buy a house in the city? Upper-end sales are booming. Lower-end sales, of course, are booming with speculators. It's that middle that's still soft. Uh, don't, uh, don't miss that segment. It's going to be really good. And up next, we're going to talk with Kimberly Hill Knott, who's Director of Policy at Detroit, Workin- Detroit Working for Environmental Justice. Justice about the role that environmental justice is playing in the presidential campaigns. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <laughs> 